Hello everyone and welcome to the Healing My Earth, Healing Me podcast. And today I feel like I've got a special episode. I'm wearing my shark tights and my singlet that's got sharks behind it. And yeah, feeling pretty sharky today. And (laughs) so we're going to be talking about two things. First thing is that tomorrow, so the day after this will be published, is International Shark Day. So you've probably heard me speak a little bit about how much I love sharks in the previous episodes and today I'm going to share a little bit more of what I've learned so far and then we'll dive into a little bit about Shark Week. Um, so if you don't know Shark Week, this is no, this is not the week that National Geographic or whatever it is in the US that they run every June, July, I think. Shark Week is a euphemism for periods. So I'm inviting Liz Burton from Wild Womb Co. to discuss a bit of that with me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing more of that with you today. All right, so before we get on to the episode, I am going to confess. So I planned out the days that I wanted to highlight in the podcast and I've accidentally moved International Sharks Day to February when it's actually meant to be in July. So... (laughs) Here we are. And today, actually, when this is going to be published on the 21st of February, is actually International Mother Language Day. And fun fact, my mother language is not actually English. My mother language is Filipino or Tagalog. So there you go. So if you hear International Sharks Day, just have a bit of a giggle or maybe you can make it into a drinking game. Up to you, really. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. If you didn't know, sharks have been swimming in the world's oceans for more than 400 million years. That's 100 million years before the first dinosaurs even appeared on land. So the reason why I wanted to talk a bit about sharks today is that there's this misconception that sharks just want to eat us. Um, It's actually the opposite. And no, it's not just the shark fin soup that's in Asia. It's also been seen in... I use air quotes here, fish and chips here in Australia and the UK and other places as well. So next time when you're getting fish, maybe just double check whether it is actually fish um, and just ask them what type of fish is it? Because certain types of fish as well, if they're higher up the food chain, they tend to accumulate more mercury in their bodies and a shark meat being so high up in the food chain that they are, scientists have seen lots of mercury in their system. So back to shark fin soup in Asia. Why was why is it actually a thing? Shark fin soup is eaten because it's become this meal that's associated to status and it means that you're higher up in the ranks of society. But funnily enough, shark meat isn't actually healthy. In fact, it's terribly unhealthy. The mercury levels in sharks can actually cause coordination loss and blindness and that's because they eat a lot of little fish that tend to just accumulate all the mercury in it, accumulate more and more mercury into their body, which if we're eating sharks, that goes back to us and yeah, not nice. And so this misconception that sharks like eating humans, I blame two things. One would be the media, and the movie Jaws has been one of the aspects that started this movement of sharks are scary, sharks will eat humans. And the second thing that I have a massive pet peeve on are 
cage diving with sharks. You're literally waving the shark's food in front of the cage to lure the shark in. And then it's seeing the human right next to its food. Why wouldn't we think that sharks are associating humans to food by us kind of training them to think that way as well? And actually, not just two things, I'm adding another thing to this. Blood. So there's this concept that sharks smell blood from miles away. And lucky for us, there's researchers that are actually studying the sense of smell of sharks and their relatives. So they're from Florida Atlantic University. I'll link the resources in the show notes so you can check it out if you'd like. And they did a test to see whether sharks actually react to blood and at what concentration levels they're actually reacting to it. So generally speaking, when sharks smell something, the neurons get excited. So back at the lab, they have a screen where they can actually see the change in voltage and how they're actually doing this. They're using amino acids, which are basically the building blocks of every smell out there. And yes, that includes blood. So they squirt these smells into the shark's noses and they test it out in lower and lower concentrations. And they do this in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So what do they see when they tested it on blood? Well, short answer is no. Sharks are not sensitive enough to detect that concentration. So yeah, they've busted that myth for us. So thank you, science and researchers. So now that that myth's out of the way, why are actually sharks important in our ecosystem? They're important in our ecosystem, not just the ocean's ecosystem. It's affecting all of us here on this earth. So one of the massive roles that sharks play is maintaining the species below them in the food chain. And they're also a massive indicator for ocean health. So I'll do it a little bit of a segue and come back. Carbon is, it's a critical element in the cycle of life. And it's also a contributor to climate change. So by feeding on dead matter that collects on the seafloor, scavengers like deep sea sharks, hagfish, starfish, actually help to move that carbon through the ocean. So economically, important fisheries shut down, like spike in groper population, and that's thanks to the elimination of sharks, they've seen that it's resulted in dissemination of the parrotfish population, who now can't play their important role of keeping the corals free of algae. That then goes into reducing oxygen quantities in our atmosphere. And if it's not obvious enough, we do need oxygen. Plus, they've also seen that large marine animals like whales and sharks actually sequester comparatively large amounts of carbon in their bodies. So that's all I've got for sharks at this moment. I'm interviewing my wonderful friend Holly in a couple of weeks' time and she'll be able to share a bit more about sharks and rays and other marine animals and and more on how they play into our lives and the environment and what are the actions that we can take to protect this environment, not just for their sake but ultimately for our sakes as well because as humans we seem to be quite selfish creatures sometimes. So yeah, stay tuned for that in a couple of weeks' time. And now that all this talk about sharks is out of the way, it's time to talk about Shark Week. Yeah, so for those of you that know me, um, I really enjoy puns. (laughs) So as we briefly talked about sharks, 
Um, and now is the time to briefly talk about Shark Week or, yeah, our menstrual cycles. Um, so I've got Liz here. So Liz is a menstrual cycle educator and the creatress of Wild Wimco. So she does workshops, presentations and online courses. And she's on a mission to spread period awareness and deliver the education on cycles that you should have gotten in school. So she's got a background of science. So she's got a Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Forensics. And she's changed directions after realizing how many women around her didn't understand the changes happening in their bodies each month and how this actually impacts on their ability to make informed health decisions. So yeah, she's a massive believer that everyone needs to know these lessons about their body and through her teachings, Liz will show you how to harness the power of your cycle so that you can truly love yourself, live your most empowered life and make a positive impact on the lives of those around you. Welcome, Liz. Hi, thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, so nice to be here with you. Yeah. We're, we're actually at Liz's house, so yes. thank you for having me. Maybe <laughs> future housemates as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on to talk about all things periods. I love being able to shout that from the rooftop. Um, and yeah, I love the segue between yeah, sharks and is it Shark Day that's tomorrow? Yeah, International Shark Awareness Day is tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, I love that segue between that and Shark Week, which um, is one of the many, many euphemisms for our periods. Um, there are so many, like, you know, being on the rag, Shark Week, um, Aunt Flo, it's that time of the month. And I feel like if we can start to break down those euphemisms and just start calling a period, like a period for what it is, like our menstruation, um, that can help to break down a lot of the stigma and shame and taboo that still surrounds it as well. So I'm really glad that you've got me on to be able to share my side of that as well. And then also be able to talk about how, um, how that impacts on the environment and impacts on ourselves as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming. And yeah, definitely. It's like, every all these things that have happened throughout the last few, last century last few decades even like yeah it's all affecting our earth because so much has changed in such a short amount of time yeah. and yeah not a lot of us realize that it's actually affecting like our own health as well because it's just so easily available mm. um yeah yeah it, that's exactly right and i suppose in in this like the society and the structure that we have at the moment um, I mean, I'm talking from the perspective of being Australian as well as that, you know, we're very time poor and I say that in quotation marks <laughs> um, and everyone wants to look for like that more convenient option, that, that quick fix um, and obviously that's, we're starting to now realise that that's coming at the expense of our own health and in, like the health of the environment too. So it's mm. beautiful that we can have this platform to actually share that awareness and start to yeah get people thinking about the changes that they can make in their own life to be able to help themselves in the environment too yeah yeah <laughs> awesome so let's kick off with your why so why are you actually doing what you're doing and like the shifts in your career as well it's interesting um i think the listeners would love to know why you're here. yeah so well i mean i was like on track to go into the police force and do forensics but um and that that well, it was kind of a whole lead up of things really that led to that. Um, in my own personal life, about three years ago, I decided to come off of the Implanon, which is a form of hormonal birth control. Um, I'd been on that for about seven years at the time, and prior to that, was on the pill. So from the age of 
15, 16, um, was on these hormone hormones. And this is quite a common story that we're now seeing in society as well. But for me, uh, I went on it initially because I was having a lot of pain and cramping and um, actually really, really bad periods. I remember running out of class one day to be like physically ill. Um, and so subsequently got put on the pill. And then for me, it was just super convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, I started having bad reactions um, to to the, the pill that I was on, which is why I eventually went on to the Implanon. And then again, that was also a convenient thing. I didn't have to remember to take the pill every single day at the same time, <laughs> which I was super bad at doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, for the first probably six years of then being on that, my eyes were very much closed and it was that convenience, quick fix kind of thing. Um, and then before I was due to go overseas, I had, uh, I was going to go get um, my third one. So you have to get them changed every three years. They're like a, a rod that um, is inserted into your arm. And in saying that, that just sounds like insane in my head. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I went to go get mine changed after the, the first two I'd had. Uh, and I actually asked my doctor what my other options were at the time because I had started thinking that this, like I just had this really I don't know, gut feeling. My intuition was saying like something's not quite right here, but um, yeah, I was actually quite taken aback. My doctor essentially told me that I would get pregnant if I wasn't on the hormonal birth control um, <laughs> and didn't really have a conversation with me. It was just like, yep, that's it. Let's change it and Jesus. let's go. And um, yeah, I left there in tears. I was so shocked and I felt so unheard. And yeah, I, and I've now like heard so many stories of this happening to other women. I think mm. it's actually just... It's, disgusting it was negligent that we're not having this conversation so um but yeah I had it changed and then I went another year and a half um I'd gone traveling came back home back to Australia and was doing a lot of work on my emotional well-being uh and then starting to get into it was when the zero waste movement really started gaining momentum in Australia I was paying attention to the waste I was producing and making a lot of like my own cleaning products and paying attention to what I was putting on my body um, and then it dawned on me that like I was still pumping these things into my body as well mm. in terms of the hormones. Um, and I was also at that point where I was just kind of questioning, like, I've been on this for 10 years by that point. Um, and I was like, I don't know who I am without this. And I jumped on Google, actually, because I was having so much brain fog. And, um, yeah, like, I just, I felt like my emotional range was very limited. Mm. Um, so that's why I originally jumped on, on Google, good old Dr. Google, mm-hmm. to see if there was like some link between the pill and depression. And I was amazed by what I saw and then all of the, the side effects and symptoms that came up from that. So I made the decision to, to get the implant removed and then I was looking for a more natural alternative of birth control um, and fell into fertility awareness. Uh, and that kind of just kind of cascaded this whole uh, self-awareness journey, I suppose, of like understanding myself, rediscovering myself after being on the birth control for so long. Um, Yeah, looking into more about my cycle and understanding my body and what was going on in my body. And in terms of my fertility, you know, we're only uh, like ovulating once per cycle for, Mm. you know, about a 24 hour window. Um, And then, I 
was taught like for so long that I thought I was fertile like 100% of the time. <laughs> so this, like all of this kind of cascaded into me learning about my body, my menstrual cycle, um, my womb, like I do a lot of womb meditation and, and healing and this kind of thing now. And um, yeah, after I had my knee injury and, and the police force kind of got put to the side, I decided that this was, I was really passionate about this and I wanted to help other women have this knowledge about their bodies, the mm. self-confidence and the self-trust and everything that came along for myself with learning this about my body was insane. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, it's been amazing actually. Um, and I just want, wanted to help other women have that too and be able to give that back to them um, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so now I just get to talk about periods all day, which yes, is great. Right. Um, and yeah, it really helped to to break down that that taboo and that mm. shame because I was I was so surprised I hadn't learned any of this in school, mm. and I was like, yeah, this needs to get taught more widely and more readily. So yeah, yeah, that's why I'm here doing what I do. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and like you can totally just hear the passion that's oozing out of you. Like, I'm getting goosebumps and I'm not even cold. <laughs> yeah, it's like my radar of like how much, like how much people actually enjoy what they do. And yeah, yeah like my like radar's just going off with goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. I do love it. I do love it. And I love being able to, to jump on podcasts like this and be able to share what I've learned as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, we'll be talking a bit more on in terms of the, I suppose, the hormones and the menstrual product side of things today mm. um, and how that's helping us and helping our bodies and the environment too. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, there's this common misconception that our cycle is just our period. And like, that's what I thought for so long as well because like, I grew up in the Philippines and like sex education wasn't really a thing and from what I've heard in Australia sex education wasn't really about women's cycles either and it's just like you just get this thing every month and yep you just bleed so just get pad or get pads or tampons and yeah just do your thing so maybe um if you can talk to us a little bit about what actually happens throughout the month and um yeah just talk about what, what happens in this cycle for our yeah. bodies yeah, beautiful. Um, and yes, that is something that I was also like, I just thought it was my period. Um, and it was just this thing I had to put up with like once a month. Um, yeah, so what essentially with our cycle, our period is actually so our period is the thing that we can really easily see. It's a really awesome biomarker, a way that we can actually understand the health of our body and what's going on. But it's also not the only part of our cycle. I mean, the word cycle in and of itself really tells you that it's you know this this whole pattern progression of our hormones um, throughout the month and the main event of our cycle is actually ovulation so we can't have a true period without first having ovulation so the period that we have on the pill and like the hormonal birth control is actually a result of having like a withdrawal from the synthetic chemicals um, that are in in that so yeah when we look at our cycle we have a fluctuation of like four main hormones so we've got um, our brain talking to our ovaries we have this progression of uh, FSH or follicle stimulating hormone which basically tells our, our, our ovaries to start um, developing and maturing some of the follicles which contain the eggs mm. within our body and as that progresses one will become dominant each cycle 
and that starts to produce estrogen. Um, and then that in turn, once the estrogen reaches a certain level, it's like our, this is signaling back to our brain, it's trigger, triggering another hormone in our brain to be released called luteinizing hormone or LH. And that in turn feeds back to our ovaries uh, and tells, uh, once that reaches a certain level, that is what triggers ovulation and also uh, transforms the follicle into uh, corpus luteum. Um, a lot of sciencey words here, I know. The main, main things to focus on are the, um, the like actual like estrogen and progesterone, the main hormones we talk about. Um, and that progesterone is actually then produced from the corpus luteum throughout the duration of our cycle. So the estrogen is really important for building up our uterine lining, so our endometrium. Um, within our uterus and that's actually what sheds when we bleed mm. so our uh, estrogen is really important in that growth and then on the flip side the progesterone is like the balancing the yin to the estrogen's yang essentially and that increases uh, after ovulation has occurred and helps stabilize the endometrium and then uh, after about seven days after so about a week before we start bleeding that starts to decrease and that's where we get that deterioration of the endometrium and that shedding uh, and then we get a period essentially so um, yeah that's we like we have this constant fluctuation of these hormones in our body mm. it's not this whole linear thing that that we go through and we're definitely not linear beings as well we have emotional changes and physical changes that come along with those hormonal changes too mm. which is why i think it's so important we understand this because when we can identify the like what our normal is within those like those fluctuations we can be better prepared for ourselves and that leads to much more like stable emotional well-being and um yeah the self-confidence and everything that comes with that as well is is incredible so mm. yeah yeah, being able to listen to your own body as well, like all the messages that your oh, body's telling exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. And being able to tune in. So uh, like one of the biggest misconceptions um, that I hear is that period pain is normal. And it's very common, <laughs> That's but normal. it's not normal at all. It's actually a sign that our body is trying to say like something's going on here. There's something underlying that we need to look at. As I said before, it is a biomarker. So it's it's and it's been coined like our fifth vital sign. Um, so yeah, we need to actually be learning to listen to our bodies and the more we listen to it, then the more, um, we can work out if there's any underlying issues. And actually though, I've found within myself, even just paying attention to my body, those messages tend to dull because the body's not trying so hard to like yell at you and tell you that something's going wrong as well. So, mm. um, yeah, it's really important to be able to listen to our bodies and appreciate our bodies as well. Yeah. Um, especially because we're taught, you know, that this is an inconvenience and and especially in our periods, I mean, like, it's just something we have to, to deal with each month. And, you know, on average, we have 450 periods throughout our lifetime. Mm. That's a lot of things to, like, be just having to deal with yeah. throughout our whole life. Like, I'd rather actually view it as something to love and mm. we can use as a strength. Definitely. Um, instead of yeah, something I just have to put up with. Yeah. So. And like, it's there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, if we didn't have periods or if we didn't weren't built this way, like who knows what would we would be like and would we be even be able to reproduce? But yeah. 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 Crazy. 
Yeah, so with the hormonal changes that are going through throughout the cycle and the period as well, like anything that we eat, put on our bodies, how we feel, that all affects different, like, our hormones. Mm. And so the things that we use during our periods, like pads, tampons, no doubt that would have a chemical effect in our body because it's all chemical reactions, right? So with the cheaper... I put in air quotes, cheaper period products like tampons and pads. What what are the side effects of those? Like I personally use a cup myself now because I know the side effects, but like you'd definitely be able to explain yeah. it a lot better than I would. Um, so yeah, if you can share a bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I love, Yeah. I mean, this was a big part of my journey as well as actually starting to use a menstrual cup and be okay with like seeing my own blood and being comfortable with that. Um, and it's funny actually that you bring up cheaper in quotation marks <laughs> the pads and tampons and things because I mean monetarily speaking uh, it's cheaper like for to buy the one product mm, but when you term. look yeah exactly when you look at it over the long term it's actually like I, I think I was looking at something earlier and they say you know you could probably spend on average over a lifetime upwards of 5k on period products if you're spending like ten dollars each bleed roughly on like pads tampons these kind of things mm. and that's adding up over 450 yeah <laughs> um periods then you know it, it does start to add up um so monetarily speaking yeah i think that more reusable products are the way to go and then also in terms of cost for the environment mm. as well um Definitely. yeah huge and we'll talk about that in a second um, uh, but in terms of the hormonal disruptions as well, so there's a lot of stuff been going around about like conventional tampons and pads, and because in the United States they're listed like under the um, TGA, the Therapeutic Goods, actually the TGA is Australia. Anyway, um, under that they're listed as a medical device, so they don't actually have to put ingredients on the packaging. Mm. So. Um, yeah, there's, there's been a few studies and not enough have really been conducted in this, but finding that, you know, there's there's pesticides, like trace amounts of pesticides on our products, especially because, you know, the pesticides are being used on the conventional cotton um, crops. There's been links to like dioxins, glyphosates, um, all like a, a uh, parabens, these kind of things that have been like trace amounts have been found in the tampons. And I've, um, I've from what I've read, it's it's interesting seeing the different points of view because some people are like, you know, they talk about it in parts per million or parts per billion or whatever, and and it doesn't seem like that that much really. But the thing is, we're actually putting these into our bodies in and our like vaginal canal and our vulvas are like so porous and so absorbent that they take a lot of this in and especially if we're doing it consistently every mm. month for you know 30 years or so um you've got to wonder what what the effects are and one of the the big ones as well is the the fragrances like people don't think that um there's these anti-odor products that they put into these and uh fragrances are a big big factor in in like hormone disruption, like hormonal disruption, they found links now between the fragrances and things in the fragrances that cause hormone disruption, and then that plays in with our cycle um, and can potentially, you know, cause 
irregular cycles or, or pain or something throughout um, our periods. Um, some of those chemicals that I spoke about have been found to be carcinogenic and can like disrupt um, our reproductive system entirely. So for me personally, it was like, um, yeah, a bit of a shock to, to learn all of this, especially after I've been using them for, you know, 10 plus years at that time. Uh, and then for me as well, it was also a matter of the environmental impact too. So, I mean, if you've got all of these uh, regular cotton crops being grown with pesticides, those pesticides can get into the waterways and, and cause pollution. And then, I mean, on average, uh, from like 20, I think it's 2018 data, or 2017 data in Australia, the average Australian woman uses 10,000 to 12,000 uh, disposable period products throughout wow. their lifetime, which is an immense amount. And they, they've now found that 0.5% of uh, the waste in oceans is actually from tampon applicators, which is oh. mind-boggling. That's <laughs> so. I'm such a visual person. Yeah. And like seeing tampons and pads floating in the ocean doesn't really look really appealing to me. And then yeah. being the fish and the shark, like imagine if someone threw like sanitary pads into your house and then you just accidentally ate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an immense amount. Like that was one of the biggest factors for me was the environmental impact as well. Um, and it's why I now swear by using reusable products where possible. And I understand that some people may not have access to that. There's, if that's the case, then I would always lean towards using like 100% organic cotton um, or some sort of other 100% natural uh, product. I know a few companies now are using bamboo as well. Um, there's a product called Suno, T-S-U-N-O, who to use some um, bamboo for for making pads and things. Mm. So there are there are better options. And then like if you're looking to go with like more of like I don't want to say best, but um, better than like disposable products, uh, then you're you're looking at um, reusable period underwear, reusable pads, and like the menstrual cup that we we both use as well. Mm. Yeah. So. When you touched on the organic products, mm-hmm. so there's, I don't know, I have a bit of a, it's a bit of a pet peeve, so yeah. like there's this misconception that anything that has organic yes. written on it is actually organic. So what what are your tips in terms of like looking out for the true organic products and not just being fooled by brandy and marketing? Yeah, that's a good question actually. Because um, yeah, I suppose like with, and especially with like cotton and this kind of thing, um, they still can use other, like, natural, like, uh, certified organic pesticides as well. Mm. Um, and, like, so, is that even okay for our bodies? And, yeah, well, yeah. that's exactly right, um, which is why, and because I feel like there's not enough research kind of being done in this space yet. Mm. Hopefully more will come about. For me, it just makes sense to go with like a like a reusable product mm-hmm. um i suppose for, for me personally i haven't I actually haven't been asked that question before i've just always gone with brands that i 
trust and mm. that means like doing the research and actually looking up into what the brands are doing for me also it means like going local so using australian local brands and like if they're transparent as well um, like if you're if you have questions you can get in contact with these brands mm. for me like i know the brands in australia that i would go to are suno and tom um and then from like woolies and coles i believe you can buy uh I think there's a brand called Cottons, which are 100% okay. cotton as well. Um, yeah, so there are a few different options there within Australia, and I'm sure there are other options within the States and, and the UK and everything as well. Mm. Um, but, like, I, and I'm not going to be able to say, like, which brand is best for everybody because there is no one best brand. My, my advice yeah. is to go and do your own research as well and find a brand that aligns with your values too. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, that's my roundabout answer <laughs> to that question. Yeah. yeah, and like with menstrual cups, similar to tampons, there's been a worry of, can't remember the term, but like the reactions that our bodies have from conventional tampons. Shock toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, I mean, toxic shock syndrome now is actually quite rare within conventional tampons either, but it is still a risk, mm-hmm. definitely more so with tampons than cups and I'm actually not 100% sure if any research has been done into cups and TSS from okay. from my understanding um, because and, and this is the other thing as well like so many places are doing cups now you want to be looking for one that's like 100% medical grade silicon mm. um, because the, the bonds and the silicon hold it together so that things won't actually like leach out mm. of silicon as well um and the silicon in and in and of itself is um like naturally odor free as well and um chemical free so i know i'm sure that there are probably companies out there that are just making cups with i don't i don't know what because i see i see cups on like the pop-ups and things on facebook for like five dollars each and yeah I, i wouldn't know what's in them so i my personal favorite um is a brand called salt with two a's um, I just love what the company stands for as well. And um, these are actually an Ameri- American uh, company, so not uh, not an Australian one. But I just love how comfortable the cups are and I also love what the company is doing as well. So, again, this comes down to personal choice. Do the research into, like, finding a brand that, like, if you want to go local, for, like, for this one, for me, um, the benefits for everything else they're doing kind of outweigh the, the local side of things. Um, but, yeah, just you've got to choose what works with your values as well and making mm. sure that, that they're being uh, transparent with what they use and, and yep. um, how they're produced and, and what they're doing as a company too. So, But, yeah, yeah, the salt cups are super, super comfortable. And they're the second type of cup that I tried as well. You might yeah. not find the right cup straight away like it can take a few a few times to find a good cup for you yeah mm. definitely do you want to talk a little bit about what salt actually does um that aligns with your values because yeah. i think it's really cool and i think the listeners might enjoy that as yeah. well yeah so i like what salt do because they um they team up with charities around the world to get reusable products to uh areas in need um in terms of the cups and then they also work with getting menstrual um, education to to women in need so that they can actually, you know, live their life. And, and period poverty is a real thing. 
I would definitely recommend um, checking out a movie called Period End of Sentence on Netflix. Ooh. Yeah, they um, it goes through a, a rural town in India, I believe. It's, um, and they like the the women in that village actually start up their own uh, like company making. That's um, right. They make the make pads. pads. Yeah. yeah, which is really really cool. But you can see from that like how important it is to have the menstrual cycle education mm. and have items readily available that they can use because you know people have been using cardboard and like ripped sheets and mm. um, you know it's it's ter- like terrifying especially coming from you know Australia thinking that they're using all of these things that. Um, could potentially introduce even more like infection and mm. and issues into their body so um yeah and then also you know they, they miss schooling um they're not able to to get that that full education uh and you know be able to work and and have all of those opportunities and, and options available to them so mm. yeah. yeah i like that that salt uh, um giving back in that regard as well so love that yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love that they're giving it back to people that wouldn't necessarily be able to afford the reusable products yeah. as well. Um, so one of the biggest things that, like, a lot of developing countries, they're actually the places that contribute to the plastic pollution the most mm-hmm. because there's so many people and it's so dense. And, yeah, because of the fact that it's, air quotes, cheaper yeah. to get the products that are made out of plastic and synthetic fibres and... um. Um, and think about all the, the wrapping and oh. things that goes into them. Like I remember Crazy. I used to, to get excited with like the Libra products because oh, they all had the- all the other fun facts. But, you know, it's wrapped in plastic. Then there's a plastic sheet that you mm. rip off from like the back and the sides and not mm. to mention the actual product too. Yeah, but, the actual pad yeah. is just like, oh. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> so, yeah, that leads us to a good segue on... Yeah, the sanitary sanitary items like pads and tampons. Yeah. Um, and yeah, their emotional implications to the environment, like using them. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think we were watching a video earlier of like different pads getting burnt, and it was just so like eye opening yeah. to see like how many chemicals are actually yeah. in those pads. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, from an environmental perspective. A lot of it, as I said before, like you've got 10,000, 12,000 products over one Australian woman's lifetime going into landfill. Mm. Um, and actually, I was reading an interesting stat, which I believe came from the UK, saying that around 50% of women actually still flush their their menstrual products down the toilet. Oh. <laughs> so, um, and, and yeah, there were there was stuff coming from like Sydney um, Waterworks saying that they have to constantly like, get them out of the water um mm. the water pipes because they don't break down in there it actually clogs everything back mm. and if that's them getting into waterways and um yeah as you said like the tap and tampon applicators being in the ocean um and then yeah i guess if if uh the like if they're getting burnt or anything um then they're releasing all of those chemicals into the environment and then there's also yeah i guess on the flip side um, as we were saying before, the actual production, like what goes into the crops, mm. like are those pesticides and things. And I believe, I, I'm actually, I've only just started learning more about like cotton crops, but they're not like that, really that sustainable in terms of a crop. So mm. all, um, the all the water supply. that they use, yeah. And then 
um, the pesticides leaching into the waterways and that kind of thing. So there's definitely there's definitely better options out there. So yeah, my favourite. Um, you don't mind if I talk about the no, the products. So so um, yeah, the the my go tos. I started off using a menstrual cup and then got onto using reusable pads. Um, and then got on to using reusable period underwear. So I kind of use a combination now of all three, depending on how I feel. Sometimes um, if I'm going out and about, I'll prefer to use the cup. I just feel more secure that way. If I'm at home and I feel like free bleeding, then I'll use the period underwear or the, the pads. But um, the, the brands that I really, really like, so as I said, Salt with two A's, and yeah, I'll be leaving for these in the show notes mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, so salt for the menstrual cups, a Hannah pad for the um, the reusable pads, and then Modi Body uh, for the reusable period underwear. And this is within Australia as well. Um, it was interesting because there's there was actually a, a bit of um, outrage. <laughs> there was there was a, an issue recently with some American brands making period underwear, and it came out that. Um, they were using like plastics and, and shit in and shit. I'm gonna swear on this podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> um, in their products and they weren't being very uh, open. Like there was taking a lot to get that information out of them. So um, and yeah, so I think there were some chemicals and things in those products mm. as well. So yeah, it is about being able to to buy from companies that are being um, transparent. I suppose and we'll actually answer your question so mm. yeah Modi Body uh did re- like respond to to all of those those issues that came out and um they don't use the same the same components that were found in this other product so mm-hmm. yeah but there's just a few different options again depending on where you're based as well um and if you want to buy local or you know there's some really cool local brands doing cool things and making like reusable pads and this kind of thing mm. um yeah yeah <laughs> awesome was there anything was there anything else that you wanted to share as well um i think we that's covered a lot actually and i don't explode anyone's brains listening to this but um i think my big takeaway is to do like go like use this information to go away and do a bit more of your own research and find out what works for you as well um because yeah i like what works for me isn't going to work for everyone Mm. and um on the flip side as well actually i also want to talk about the cup um because i know we've spoken about like leaks and that kind of thing because that's the common a common thing that comes up with the the menstrual cups um and to be able to use the menstrual cups effectively they need to be sitting around your cervix most of the time if they're leaking it's because it's not sitting around your cervix so being familiar with your body and understanding where that is for you uh is really important to be able to use use the cup effectively so if you're not familiar with where your cervix is it sits up the top of your vaginal canal and um you can usually I'd say usually um, because it can be different for everyone, but usually you can uh, reach it with if you're inserting a finger into your vaginal canal and you'll feel like a knobbly bit like mm-hmm. right up the top. Um, sometimes it'll feel like quite soft. Sometimes it can feel quite firm um, and there 
hormones, but I won't go into that <laughs> on this uh, particular podcast episode. So, yeah, just some little tips for you. And if you don't find the first, like if your first cup doesn't work for you straight away, um, give it a little bit of time and then you may even like to look into getting another cup mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't say give up on everything straight away if the first one doesn't work for yeah. you. It's like anything yeah. in life. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, you've got to find what works for you best, too. Mm. So. Well, yeah, I think that was everything. I'm sure I'll think of other things. Yeah. I could just listen to you all day and just <laughs> learn so much from you. I have so much to share. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, how can people find you? Like, How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so best option is over on Instagram. So my handle is wild, full stop, womb, as in womb within your body full stop co so wild.womb.co and then I've also got the same handle on Facebook and my website is wildwombco.com so you can either message me on Instagram or flick me an email Um, I'm going to be starting up a blog in the very near future Um, but yeah a lot of my educational content is just on Insta at the moment Mm -hmm. doing talks and workshops and that kind of thing so there is a freebie up on on the website actually and on the um the link in my instagram bio for starting to journal with your cycle and actually understand what's going on within your body uh, and and the changes that you experience for yourself yeah wonderful yeah it's um yeah ever since like we started talking about this and like me learning more and more about this through you yeah i've started journaling in line with my cycle and it's just so interesting what patterns come up Mm. and whether or not I just want to honor those patterns or just like oh that's not a pattern that I want to um continue showing yeah um like how can I work through that and yeah interesting as like cyclical beings (laughs) is that the right term yes yes we are we are yeah awesome thank you so much Liz that's okay thank you very much for having me on Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. And I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. I'll link those in the show notes. And if you have other ideas and people that you'd love me to interview. And if there's anyone that wants to meet up that would like to be in the podcast, I would absolutely love to meet you and talk all things environment and health. I'll put the link in the show notes to book in a time with me as well. And on that note, thank you so much and have a lovely weekend.